Hey guys, it's Derek. We're back on the podcast. And this week, Ash and I are sitting down for a little bit of a different episode. This week, Ash is going to be interviewing me and walking us through a conversation that relates to training, mindset, and really where I placed my identity throughout the last 12 plus years of my fitness journey. Now, we did a similar episode a while back just in terms of my fitness journey itself and more of the the macro level view, but today we're diving into the details of where my mindset was on fitness, what my perspective was, what you know inspired me to get involved in coaching and how all of that has changed and evolved and transformed as I've moved through this journey. Uh, so hopefully it will open your eyes to some of the things that maybe you're experiencing yourself, as well as just give you a few take-home points that you can apply to your individual journey and maybe just inspire some reflection to see where you're at within that entire health, fitness, and nutrition uh, experience and lead you towards your goals. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 65. I'm here once again with Ash. It is a Monday, no, a Tuesday morning, <laughs> Tuesday morning. This is throwing me off because we I never know. record these midweek, but here we are recording midweek for you, and uh, we just got done taking Coda for a walk. Our minds are fresh, our faces are cold, and we are ready <laughs> to do this podcast, uh, but we'll start with the usual life updates, so... First and foremost, the last two weeks, we've been hinting <laughs> at possibly having some exciting news to share with you all. Well, uh, not everything goes according to plan, so unfortunately, that exciting news fell through, and we no longer have an exciting life announcement to tell you about. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're just uh, we're just your average normal human being, so sometimes you don't, uh, you just got to play the cards you're dealt. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So anyway, moving on from that, uh, what else we got on the agenda here, Ash? Derek, when this comes out, he's going to be the big 3-0. Not even at my peak yet. He's at, he's peaked. He's past his peak. I'm not past <laughs> I've yet to peak. I cannot wait till you hit 33 and you're past your peak. The reason she says 33 is because I always joke with her. Because when we were in school, they told us that the physiologic peak for males is around 30 to 33 years old so i'm convinced that i have not <laughs> hit my prime until at least 33 you you have you've already done the damage to your body no, but i'm recovered okay. and that okay. new shampoo i got is thickening <laughs> my hair i'm i'm getting better now that i'm a, that i'm 30 oh, okay. i'm getting better well I have yes more hair and healthy joints <laughs> i mean i'm pretty much there uh anyway other than that, uh, COVID is still fucking with our wedding plans. Yeah. So still dealing with that, as is everybody else that uh, that out there is in the middle of trying to arrange their wedding. Yeah, we're not arranged, or we like we're getting married June twelfth. It's happening. I don't give because it took me the last what nine months to remember that that the second date I won't remember a third. <laughs> yeah it's very true you won't even yeah i don't care what we have to do it's happening on the 12th yeah as long as a couple people are there i don't care yeah uh but anyway we, it's come to that point so we're just accepting that and then uh last oh. thing coda 
to give everyone a little coda update because you know he's how much a, we love to post them on our stories. He's a little chubby, y'all. He is a little chubby. We have our our <laughs> exercise for him. His walks have become significantly shorter yeah. over, since the weather has turned. Not since we moved to Michigan. Well, that as well. Yeah. In Florida, he was spoiled though. We yeah. in Florida, we lived on this property that had access to one of the trailways. So we literally had access to like a hundred miles of paved beautiful trail. like forest trail so we got to like run with him rollerblade with jungle. him uh walk him he was always off leash so he got all kinds of exercise yeah he was true. so fit back then i never thought about that i was like we because we used to t- take him on like at least an hour walk and we would but do we like still interval do. training yeah but that's what i've just forgot about like he was off leash so, so we'd we would place him place and then him. run like 100 yards and yeah. then have a sprint yeah, he was fit. Anyway, yeah. he's a little chunkers, so <laughs> we're feeding him just a smidge less and walking him more. And guess what? If y'all did that to yourselves, you would have a little less chunk as well. If so, if if that if you're in that boat, it's funny how with pets it's really easy, but with humans we can't figure it out, right? Uh, so true. anyway. With ballistic updates, uh, still in the process of finalizing logistics for the next round of apparel. Again, we're taking so much time because we don't want there to be any bumps in the road like there was on this past round. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to make sure that this time when you guys order your gear, you're getting it on time. Mm -hmm. It's the quality material that we want, and there are no hiccups along the way. Yep. Um, Other than that, we're starting to line up guests for the show. So hopefully here in the next two to three weeks, we'll have our first one on and we can start rolling through that. So there might be a little hiatus of Ash. We might uh, not have her again. But for I a might few weeks. do some without you. Oh, that's news to me. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I wanted to talk about last week. Oh, I see. Yeah. We're having a little conversation with our eyes that you guys can't <laughs> see or hear. We're having that internal conversation that couples have. <laughs> Usually ours is fighting. Do you is know what fighting. I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you're talking okay. about. Uh, anyway, and uh, we've been researching cameras heavily. Mm-hmm. I've been researching cameras like every day for the last week because we, you. we have set a goal for ourselves to get heavily involved with YouTube this year. Specifically creating a blog as well as some other production on there. So we've been looking into that gear. We've kind of, which I don't think I told you, I pretty much have it narrowed down to the camera we want mm-hmm. and the gear that so we need. So now just buying. So now it's just pulling the trigger. Yep, yeah. we figured it out. We talked to a lot of professional photographers. And mm-hmm. so we have, we are not just winging this thing. We did our research and talked to who we needed to talk to. And we now know what we're going to be investing in. So that's yeah. exciting. Really quick. Though. And it's a I'm big just... old write-off. Yeah. I'm just going to throw this out there, too. We know nothing about videography, photography. And I think a question I get a lot from like other professionals, especially with my other job, they're like, well, how like how do you figure it out? And you just told everyone you literally Google like we don't know anything. And you reach out to resources. There's this really funny video of Gary V. He's Mm -hmm. getting interviewed and they're like they basically say something along the lines of. Who who would you talk to or seek out or or whose permission do you need to to start your business or to learn about entrepreneurship? Yeah. And he literally goes, I'll tell you who it is. YouTube. No. And he goes, G O O G L E. And everybody starts laughing and he's like, That's right. 
Google is your fucking mother now. Yeah. Like, Google is going to tell you how to do it and it give you permission to do it. But mm. you have a good point. Like, that's all we do. We literally Google yeah. how to insert whatever task we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And we reach out to people. We're not afraid to ask questions. Like, we literally don't know mm-hmm. anything about camera equipment. I'm not just going to read three blogs and then think I know it all. I'd rather talk to someone who does it as a profession mm-hmm. and can give me some guidance. So, uh, yeah, that's how we do it. That's how we learn. Yeah. Anyway, uh, now finally getting into the discussion for today. So uh, this is going to be somewhat of a different format, a little bit of a different episode. Um, we thought about this idea last week on the show when we were talking in the introduction. And so what we're going to do is kind of talk about my, not my fitness journey, but more of my mindset, my training, and really my identity as an athlete and as a coach over the last 12 years or better part of 12 years. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're going to start you know, all the way back to the days of doing P90X in my parents' living room and then work our way to the present. Um, you know, needless to say, over the last, you know, 12 years, uh, I've changed and evolved as a human being, as an athlete, as a coach. And so uh, we just wanted to kind of touch on those because a lot of people go through these transitions, but it's not talked about very often um, how the mindset changes, how your perspective changes on training, uh, and really where you place your identity as you're going along this journey. So all that said, um, we're going to go ahead and dive into it. You're going to basically be interviewing me today, which is going to be a nice change of pace. Yeah. So I'm going to hand the reins over to you, and you can take it away. All righty. I'm excited. So to provide some context for everyone listening, when did you first start training and what was your primary motivation at that time? Yeah, so we've talked about this on a previous episode, but I started training, I guess you could say, in 2008. It was my junior year of high school. Actually, 2007. It was my sophomore year. I started working with a sport performance coach at a local uh, like private PT slash sport performance facility. But it was all very much like kinesthetic awareness and mechanics. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to move any weights. Like, literally, I didn't touch a dumbbell or a barbell. It was all resistance band, med ball, um, agility type work, all, all that stuff that's associated with sport performance, especially for youth athletes. And then it wasn't until probably my junior or senior year that I found P90X. Mm-hmm. You know, God bless Tony Horton. What a beast. And... <laughs> Uh, started doing P90X and I did that two or three times through, fell in love with it. And that's really where I started to develop, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a passion for training, I would say, or at least I liked the way it made me feel. And so that's where it really started. The primary motivation at that point, you know, with the sport performance coach, it was performance. Yeah. I, I wanted to make sure I was doing everything possible to maximize my potential out playing soccer. And then when I started doing P90X, yes, it was to maintain fitness and improve fitness for for soccer, but it was more or less aesthetics. I just wanted to look better. You know, in high school, I was soaking wet 140 pounds. Like, I was tiny. That's what I weigh. When I, I actually have, you know how you get those presidential fitness cards from gym class back in the day? You would take, like, those presidential tests. No, we didn't do that. You guys that. didn't do that in high school? No. All right, so everyone listening, someone has done this, where you do like the presidential fitness test, you run a mile, you do like the V sit and reach, you do max pull-ups. Oh, we didn't get stickers. 
So we get like these cards that reported it every year oh, through our four years. Cool. I they give them to you your senior year to keep. And mine for my freshman year, I was five seven, a hundred and twenty pounds. No, my freshman year of high school. I haven't been one hundred and twenty pounds since I was like ten. Five seven <laughs> one twenty. That means wow. like I literally had no mass to me whatsoever. That makes Any, me sick. Anyway. So you can imagine how I wanted to be a little bit bigger seeing yeah. some of my friends who were playing football and at the time looked huge to me. So that was it. It was purely aesthetics. That was the motivation back then. Okay. So you said that you kind of started to fall in love your sophomore year? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I would say. Or junior year. I would say junior year was when I started to enjoy training. Sophomore okay. year was, okay, I have to do this to get better. Gotcha. Uh, and I, I was decent at the things he, my coach was asking me to do. But it was really that junior year when I started P90X that I thought, okay, I, I actually like this. Okay. And then what made you fall in love with it? Or was it literally you just enjoyed doing P90X? Yeah, so I think, well, number one, I did see a change in my physique after completing P90X, not only the first time, but the second time like okay. all the way through. So I remember we went on a cruise, I think it was in 2008. I could be wrong. It might have been just a trip to the beach, whatever it was. We went on vacation and I remember seeing a picture of me and a friend. We were just like on the beach or we were jumping off a boat, something like that. And I remember thinking like, whoa, I look way different in that picture than I ever have before. Mm -hmm. Like I actually look like I am somewhat fit. You yeah. know? And so that was kind of motivation of, wow, I can see the difference. And then my performance also within P90X, like the amount of repetitions I was able to do on the pull-up, the amount of weight I was able to move on some of the different exercises, that had drastically increased. So seeing those, that progress was a huge motivated, motivator and like really made me enjoy that process more. Uh, but really, it was just how I felt after I would train or even during training. Like I just felt accomplished. I felt motivated. I felt driven to continue to push myself and, and train harder. But again, all of that was centered around looking better. It was all around aesthetics. And I really, really, that's where I really started to fall in love with it just because I could see the work that I was putting in was cultivating the results that I wanted. Okay. That makes sense. So what was your mindset surrounding training in those early years? Yeah, that's a good question. So this is super early on, right? I hadn't even... I hadn't even decided that I wanted to pursue exercise science as an undergrad yeah. at this point. That was like a last second decision my senior year of high school, I think. And No, you were like thinking like PA, like you didn't realize that until college, But right? I didn't, no, no. I didn't know I wanted to pursue exercise science probably until my senior year of high school. Oh, I thought it was college. No. Okay. And anyway, so... Where were we at? I'm losing my mind, my track. I'm sorry. The what mindset. Was the okay. okay. What there was we your go. mindset? So my like mindset back then was really like I didn't know anything about training. I didn't know the physiology behind it. I didn't know any of even like the bro science behind it. Right. I was literally just following the program that was put in front of me. So the mindset was, if this is what you know X person is doing, this is what I need to do because mm -hmm. he or she looks the way that I want to look. Or is has seen significant results, so I want to follow that program. Gotcha. I really didn't have a mindset other than I'm going to do this and train as hard as I can to look as good as I can. That was essentially the only mindset I had back then. Okay, that makes sense. And so moving into college, not everyone knows this about you, but you actually competed in bodybuilding. So tell us a little bit about that experience as far as it relates to like mindset, training, and just your identity. 
Yeah, I know. Those are your most proud moments, right? Me and that Speedo up I just, on stage. Like, I, can't, I just can't picture it. Well, I mean, I have pictures. You've seen I, them. Well, I, know, I, like, <laughs> I would not want to know you when you were strictly. I was a different, different human back then. Yeah, strictly like dieting. Yeah. yeah. So even it my. It wouldn't be good for us. <laughs> <laughs> even my freshman year of college, I remember I was, at that time, I, and I still am right around like 5'10", 5'11". So I was fully grown in terms of height, but I was still only about 150 pounds, maybe 147 pounds. In college. Yeah, freshman year of college. And so that was freshman year. And at the time, like I had just started to really dabble in like the fitness center and because I had trained in my parents' living room, you know, doing piano. I hadn't really gone to a gym and so I just started to kind of go down to the the arc we called it and kind of mess around and, and find some programs that I could begin to follow there. Uh, but it wasn't until the end of that year, going into my sophomore year, that my roommate or my soon to be roommate was like, "Hey, man, I w- I think I want to compete in the bodybuilding show here on campus, not next year, but the year after, our junior year." And I was like, "Oh, that's that's really awesome." And at the time, I was like, "I can't do that. I'm not." I'm was he enough. already into bodybuilding? Like, was he big? He was, was already he... into fitness. He was bigger than me, so, like, substantially. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I was kind of like, ah, I'm not big enough to do that, you know? And, gotcha. And so we spent the next year, we came back, and he was even bigger. He was huge. It looked like he had trained, you know, like, all summer, twice a day. Just, he looked so impressive compared to what he was the year before. And... I had trained a lot as well, but I was just like, wow, like he really made a lot of progress. Mm-hmm. So then we still had that entire year to really get focused. And we even picked up a coach to kind of guide us through who was also, I didn't know that. yeah, he was, he was a friend, but he also was a coach cause he had competed several times. So anyway, we took that entire year and went hard in the paint in terms of training, supplementation, eating, all of that stuff. And I gained 30 pounds that year. Wow. And so actually, yeah, 50, it was closer to 40 pounds. So in a year I gained about 40 pounds and my body fat percentage still was right around like 10 to 12%. So a lot of it was like pretty good weight. Uh, and that's like unheard of. Well, you got to think too, I was technically a novice, right? Like I had only, I had only done P90X. And you like went hard, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And anyway, so that happened. And then I was like, wow, we can really do this. And so then that next year we started getting into the dieting, all of the, the different variations of the, of the training. And, uh, this is the process where like I was obsessed with training, Mm -hmm. obsessed with specifically like bodybuilding style training. And again, physique and aesthetic was the primary focus. I wanted to get in the off season. I wanted to get as big as I could in the, in competition season. I wanted to get as lean as I could. And I was willing to do whatever it took, you know, during the cutting phase. Besides steroids. Yeah, besides besides steroids. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I saw somebody inject themselves and I was like, nope, never doing that. That freaked <laughs> me the hell out. I don't like needles. And so uh, I just became like, is enthralled a word? I don't know. I think it, I think it is. I became like enthralled, <laughs> obsessed. That's true. <laughs> obsessed with that entire process. And at the time, I was also going through some of my major classes for exercise science. Mm-hmm. So that's really where I started understanding the physiology behind it, the nutrition, and why some of it worked, why some of it was bullshit. You know, with yeah. the, the gym science stuff, and how to intertwine all of those things to really push myself forward. 
Uh, and that was kind of the beginning of where fitness started kind of taking over my identity. Mm-hmm. Like I really started placing a lot of who I am in the fact that I was the guy, I was the fitness guy amongst all my friends. I was a dude who was going to be at the gym, who was always going to be eating the way he should, who during competition season would never cheat on his, you know, on his diet, who just prioritized that above all other things. And so that was kind of the, we'll call it like the downward spiral of placing my identity in the wrong thing. That all started kind of in the bodybuilding phase. Okay. And then, so at that point in your life, you obviously love training enough to pursue it as a career, like we said, or at least pursue a career that was associated with fitness. So prior to discovering CrossFit and coaching, what was your plan? I know I, I kind of jumped to this. Yeah. So like you, yeah, you hinted at it earlier. When I first, after I decided exercise science was what I thought I wanted to do, I think it was the end of my soft, end of my freshman year. You know, everyone coming into exercise science, at least at Slippery Rock, everyone wanted to be a PT. Everyone mm-hmm. wanted to be a physical therapist. And so I thought, okay, that must be the way to go. So I'll become a physical therapist. And so I was on like the pre-PT track at our school. And it didn't take long. It literally, I shadowed a couple PTs. And by the end of my first semester, I was like, fuck that. I do not <laughs> want to be a PT. And so then I was kind of like in limbo. I was like, oh, I'll figure it out. You know, I'm a freshman. I got lots of time. There's a lot of different career paths I can take with this. And when I started to really fall in love with fitness and doing all of the bodybuilding and getting involved with that and taking some of my higher level courses, that's when I started thinking, okay, maybe maybe like a PA is a good route to go or maybe uh, even med school or a registered dietitian. I jumped like 17 different times. I could not decide what I wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think personal training or coaching even entered my mind at that point not even in the slightest because you know you're conditioned by everyone in the industry that there's no money in that yeah you know and as a freshman in college like I'm thinking okay I need to like everybody's conditioned to do I need to get a good job I need to get a well-paying job so that I can then provide for my family and you know work for 30 years and create a retirement fund blah 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 (laughs) and so I didn't even think about coaching and owning a facility for those first three years. Gotcha. Um, and then towards, I think it was my senior year, I started thinking, man, it'd be really cool if I could own a gym one day. But it was still like a, a pipe dream. You know, I really, I was still thinking PA school or med school was going to be the, the route to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. That's interesting. So then, like you said, you found CrossFit in 2012. So still relatively early, kind of right before it exploded. What were you drawn to in CrossFit and why did you pursue it as not only like as a training methodology, but also as a career? Mm. And like, I'm so jealous that you found CrossFit in 2012. Yeah, but everybody can say that because there's some people that found CrossFit in 2006 and 2003. I know, I'm jealous of them. So I'm jealous (laughs) of them too. Uh, Yeah, so found CrossFit in 2012. Uh, We were dieting for the show that year. And saw it on TV. Saw I two- love this story. Saw the 2011 games on TV. And I was instantly like captivated. I was, wa- I remember watching, it was the finals, 2011 finals. And I remember watching uh, Rich Froning and Josh Bridges. Cause that's where the camera was at. Like those, yeah. everybody was watching those two, as well as Graham Holmberg and some other guys. Austin Maliola was in there. Jason Kalipa. 
but Rich was this new guy, and it was only his second year, and he was dominating. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember looking at all the dudes, because they all had their shirts off, of course, <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, these dudes are fucking jacked. Like, <laughs> not only were they jacked, but like they were fit. Like, I was going to say, not bodybuilding, yeah. jacked. No, like just like... Fit. Super lean, and doing things that I would have legitimately died doing because my heart rate would have been through the roof. Yeah. And so I immediately couldn't stop watching. I watched the whole thing all the way to the finals. I saw Rich won his first CrossFit Games or win his first CrossFit Games. And I thought, wow, that's if I could look like that and do those things, like, I think I would like that more than what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Because bodybuilding, what no one talks about is you, when you're competing, you feel like shit the majority of the year because you're either – in such a caloric deficit and basically starving yourself to get so lean and dehydrating yourself that you only like look good on stage, but you feel like crap. Yeah. Or you're in the off season and you're eating 5,000 calories a day or more. And the only way to do that is to eat some junk. You can't eat clean for 5,000 to 7,000 calories. And so you're eating crap. So you feel like crap. Yeah. So anyway, uh, kept dieting for the show, ended up competing in the show and I won my weight class, which was awesome. And so I was super pumped and, uh, but then I thought, I don't know if I can do this again. Like, I don't know if I want to go through this whole process again. Was it worth it? And I went through that whole thought process. And then I tried CrossFit. I don't remember what day it was or anything like that. I just remember one day I went down to the fitness center. I tried to do Fran. Uh, it took me like 15 minutes before I just quit. I didn't even finish the <laughs> whole thing. I was doing like a front squat plus a shoulder press as a thruster and I was doing strict pull-ups. And yeah, I just got my ass handed to me. And I remember literally ripping off my my wrist wraps and saying like, this is fucking stupid. And then I literally left. But a couple of days later, I went down and tried another workout. And then a couple of days later, I went back and tried another. And before I knew it, I was only doing CrossFit workouts from CrossFit.com. And that was pretty much the end of the be- like of the bodybuilding days and the beginning of my entire fitness career. Uh, I remember I just was obsessed. If I wasn't studying my textbooks for my classes, I was watching YouTube videos of Greg Glassman speaking at level ones mm-hmm. and videos of Dave Castro and Nicole Carroll and EC Sinskowski. And I was watching all these videos and just take, I was literally taking notes. I had my notes just like class Yeah. because all the information they were giving, I was like, wow, this is this is gold. Like this makes so much more sense than the physiology in the textbooks. This makes so much more sense than the bullshit that my professors are trying to feed me when it comes to health. It's like, this is truly, it's so, it's so simple that it has to be true. Yeah. You know, it was like one of those like epiphany moments and that was the end. Like as soon as I dove into that world, I disregarded everything else. I said, I said, screw PA school, screw med school, you know, dietetics, whatever. I am going to coach and that's mm-hmm. it. I am going to become a CrossFit coach and I'm going to pursue that for as long as it, as far as it'll take me. Yeah. Right. And you know, that changed a lot. CrossFit changed my entire mindset around training. It took it from purely aesthetics mm-hmm. and basically just investing my identity into my physique and being the fitness guy. Now that's, that still continue to happen, which we'll get into, but it changed my pers- my perspective on training. Instead of doing it for aesthetics, I was literally doing it to become as fit as possible, to mm-hmm. be able to do things that 
5% of the population couldn't do. Yeah. Because I wanted to show everyone what was possible through this methodology. Yeah. And so that was a huge shift for me right at the end of of my uh, undergrad. Okay. And when did you graduate undergrad? 2013. Okay. So in 2013, you got your level one, then CSCS in 2014, level two in 2014, you saw level one in 2015, and excuse me, then you're level three in 2016. So along that journey as a coach, how did your mindset and perceptions around training evolve? Like not many people can say, one, that they have a level three, but you just, you did so much in four, three to four years. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, it was kind of like domino effect. You know, I, I, I remember I Googled, because this is, again, my last semester of undergrad, and I needed to do an internship as a requirement. So I Googled best CrossFit gym in the world. That's what I did. <laughs> and... You know, I, I had no idea, you know, CrossFit wasn't, there weren't all these Instagram accounts surrounding CrossFit. Like there wasn't, CrossFit wasn't everywhere you looked in the fitness industry. It was pretty much CrossFit.com and then a few YouTube videos and they were shit YouTube videos, like filmed on a junky flip phone camera, you know, or like the original iPhone and just these, these terrible quality. And so when I needed to think of, if I wanted to think about coaching, it's kind of like, well, I'll just wing it. I'll just look for the best gym in the world. And one of the first links was Reebok CrossFit 1 out in Boston. And I was like, okay, I have no idea what Reebok CrossFit 1 is, but it came up when I when I Google searched this. So I clicked on it, found out it was at Reebok World Headquarters. And I was like, wow, this would be freaking sweet if I could go coach at this facility. You know, Austin Aliolo was the head coach. Spencer Hendel was there. Uh, Jared Davis was there. Denise Thomas. All these folks that I had heard of in the industry that I was like, wow, this would be huge. So I applied to that internship. Didn't hear back for six weeks. Accepted another internship. Then I heard back from Reebok. Then I canceled my other internship. Then I moved to Boston. <laughs> so it was this whole mess. But as soon as that, as soon as I got confirmation on the internship, I needed to have my level one. Uh, so that's when I pulled the trigger. I took my level one in Columbus, Ohio at the original Rogue facility. Uh, so I drove out there by myself, did that that weekend. Um, I thought I was hot shit and then got my ass handed to me a few times in some workouts. And so that really opened my eyes. And uh, But it was an incredible experience. And then that was that was like the 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 first shot that got me addicted to, to CrossFit. From there... I did, I did my CSCS that next year just because I missed out doing it in undergrad because I just thought I wouldn't need it, and I decided that it was valuable enough to pursue that. So I read this, the uh, Essentials of Strength and Conditioning book. You remember that book? That oh, yeah. Jazz textbook? I studied it so much for my right. CSCS. So you, you did that in undergrad, and then so what I did, I was like, okay, well, if I have to take this test on my own, I'm just going to read this cover to cover, one chapter a day for 22 days, and then I'm going to take the test. And that's so, what I did. Okay, there you go. So that's what I did. Got that. And then immediately I was, I was fortunate enough to have all those great mentors when I was at Reebok and uh, John Main, who is still my mentor to this day when I was in New Jersey. So signed up for my level two. He prepared me for that process, fell in love with that. Then I met you in, in masters mm -hmm. and we both went and did our level one. You saw level one together. <laughs> yeah. And then finally in 2016, the level three, I think it had just been released the year before. And so, you know, at that point I felt 
very confident in my knowledge and my skills as a coach. So I signed up for the level three. I studied for about six months uh, and went and took that hardest exam I've ever taken in my life, harder than the CSCS, most valid exam I've ever taken in the fitness industry. I was able to pass that. And at the time, I was only one of 110 people in the world that had their level three. It was That's so, so, so cool. new. Uh, and now plenty of people have it. But at the time, it was super new. So I was super proud of that. And all of those experiences basically created this this mindset of, okay, this is a profession. This is a craft. I saw some of the best coaches in the world lead lead their classes and the way they went about it and the way they would speak about coaching and they would the way they would prepare for classes it will it opened my eyes to the fact like this is a craft that i can refine and that never ends that i can always get better at and it's a true career like these people were making a good living coaching crossfit and so it opened my eyes to the possibility of this can be your career this can be your full-time gig and uh in terms of training, it was just that, okay, this is it. There is no other training. Like this is the ticket. This will be the foundation of everything I do moving forward in terms of fitness. Okay. Huh. I don't think a lot of coaches in the industry think like that. Yeah. I mean, I always just tell everyone I was just blessed to have those people around me. Yeah. I just was, God put me in the right place at the right time because what usually happens is someone's interested in coaching. They're at their local affiliate. Uh, they they end up getting hired part-time or to work the front desk to go through like a quote-unquote internship or mentorship. That's really just fucking cleaning the gym and not really learning anything. Yeah. And then getting fed to the wolves by having to coach your first class with no preparation. Yeah. I mean, I went to Reebok and... It was so structured and so mapped out. I wasn't even allowed to teach a class for five weeks. Yeah. It was five weeks of, hey, show me you have initiative, clean the facility, uh, help people with class plans, watch classes, take notes, and just soak it all in before I even let you start leading warm-ups. Yeah. And then when you can show me you can lead a warm-up, maybe I'll let you lead a class, right? Yeah. And so it was just so progressive that... And I had so many amazing people that I could pull from that by the time I left that place, it was like I had packed three years of experience into an eight-month stint at yeah. Reebok with those coaches. Whereas, like we said, a lot of folks don't have that opportunity and but, they end up t with bad habits. Yeah, but also to give yourself some credit, like you say that you just were in the right place at the right time, like you pursued that. Not a lot of people are willing to be like, type in Google what's the best CrossFit gym and then go there like apply yeah I would say that that's definitely true and if you're out there listening and you're thinking about coaching as a career I mean you and I have moved a lot yeah right? I moved even more before we met yeah you can't you can't lose that mobility mm -hmm. you can't be afraid to pursue the opportunities like you're talking about positions that have hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of applicants Yeah. when you start getting into these other realms like collegiate strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. When I was a coach, an assistant strength coach at Pitt, we had an opening and in 24 hours, we received 300 applications. Yeah. So imagine we left that open for two weeks. Yeah. By the time it was done, there were literally thousands. It, it wasn't thousands, but you get what I mean. There were like 500 plus yeah. applications for this one position. 
And coaching, even in the CrossFit setting, there's not that many positions out there. Mm -hmm. And so if you're someone that needs experience, you got to be willing to go wherever and work for nothing if Mm -hmm. that's what it takes. And honestly, you should pursue, like I just typed in best gym in the world because I didn't know at the time there wasn't all these outlets to understand who was a great coach and who wasn't and where, where good gyms are. But now you can literally find anybody and anything you want to know on Instagram or just on the internet in general. You know who the best coaches in the world are because they're putting out the most content. Yeah. You can DM these people and explain that you will come and work for free and all you want to do is learn. Yeah. And I'd say 70% of the time, if you're literally willing to work for free and you're just going to gain experience, they're not going to say no. Yeah. And so you, you got to do that. You got to pursue that kind of stuff. You can't be afraid to move around. I mean, before I met you, I had coached at, I think, six different gyms. Yeah. And moved five different times. No, six different times. So you just, that's how the industry is. So you got to, you got to chase those things. Absolutely. And I know we've talked, we went a little off track there, but we've talked about throughout your entire journey, um, with the exception of the P90X days, you were dealing with partial bilateral quad tendon tears. That's a mouthful. Uh, What was it like dealing with the injury and how did you adapt and modify? And when did you realize that you couldn't do it anymore? Mm, This is another turning point. So... Number one, I hate that I was dealing with those injuries, not because they were frustrating, which they absolutely were, but everyone assumes that it was from CrossFit, right? Yeah. But the, those in, that injury occurred well before I ever found CrossFit. You know, I partially tore my right quad tendon in high school playing volleyball and, and soccer. It was just wear and tear. It wasn't a single instance. And so because of that, I was dealing with that pain from senior year of high school you know, all the way through college. And I never let it heal. You know, I was continuing to train. I did bodybuilding. So I was squatting really heavy, doing it often, probably with questionable technique. And so it's one of those things where it just continued to compound. I was favoring my left side more. And by the time I found CrossFit, I had the bilateral tear or partial tear. So it wasn't even CrossFit that triggered that. CrossFit's actually... What led me to move away from that super heavy, high volume stuff and eventually discover that, okay, I really needed to do some rehab to make this work. So yes, it was extremely frustrating to have those because it's really painful. Now, like I like to think I have a decent pain tolerance, uh, but I mean, when you and I were dating in Pittsburgh, I was popping like three or four Advil in the morning just so I could go up and down stairs without feeling like my knee was going to explode. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't that bad initially. When I first started CrossFit, it was just an irritation. Like if I did a lot of squatting that day or a lot of thrusters or just a lot of below parallel work, then yeah, my knee was really stiff the next morning. But I went and saw a doctor before I moved down to the Caribbean who gave me like this this super strong prescription anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And when I would take that, it was literally as if my knee was 100%. I couldn't feel the pain. It felt amazing. And so I trained through all of that with that prescription for like a year. And all that did was make it worse, obviously, because it was just masking the pain. Now, I got really, really, really fit (laughs) during that time. But in, you know, in retrospect, it was just destroying my knee. Mm -hmm. 
And then I came back to the States, went through, you know, graduate school, met you, that whole process. And my knee just continued to get worse, both knees. And then in 2019 or 2018, when we were working at CrossFit 446, or I was, that's when I think for me, I really started to think, holy shit, when I'm 50, I'm not going to be able to kneel down. Like when I'm 50, it's going to really hurt to sit down and take a shit, right? Like, and I started just questioning why I was doing what I was doing, the kind of training that I was doing, um, the fact that I wasn't listening to my own advice that I'm giving other athletes of modifying, scaling, et cetera. And so that was when I started to question everything of what, what should I do next? But it wasn't until 2019 when we were living in Florida and working at Elite Wellness that I really thought, okay, I'm at my breaking point. I cannot do this anymore. My knees are fucked up. They are, and they are not going to get better. If I don't seek out help from somebody, these are not going to get better. And all the surgery I had looked into and spoken to orthopedic specialists about, the recovery was horrendous. It was like, you know, full on like splinted leg, no weight bearing for six weeks, followed by 12 weeks of rehab and just something I didn't want to go through. So eventually I broke down. I said, okay, you know what? This is the year. 2020 is going to be, the, and 2019 into 2020 is going to be the year where I rehab my knees and fix myself. So I reached out to my buddy, uh, Chris Lefevre. He's a PT at the, at the time at Duke Sport Performance. And then now he's at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado. And I said, hey, man, here's what's going on. I've been diagnosed with this bilateral quad tendon tear. Uh, he kind of knew about it already. And I said, I really need your help. What can I do? What's the research around rehabilitating this kind of thing? He sent me a few articles. I read through them. And he gave me about four or five exercises that I could do. And I asked him, I said, okay, this sounds great. What's the timeline? <laughs> and he literally goes, you know, based on how long this has been going on, I think you're looking at a minimum four to six months. And I'm thinking, holy shit, four to six months of no squatting, no lunging, no jumping, no running. Yeah. Okay. I got to do it. Right. At that point, I was literally at, at breaking point. I was, I'm going to do this. And that's what I did. And so over that year and a half to the present day, I modified as needed, scaled, follow his, followed his program for rehab. And now I'm at the point where I'm pretty much, I'd say 90 to 95% back to normal. That's so where awesome. I'm squatting without pain, still modifying range of motion, but I'm able to move significant loads. I'm able to jump without pain. Running is still iffy, but it's getting better. So it's been a super, super long process that required a lot of patience and a lot of self-reflection. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of going from there, when did you really commit to moving away from CrossFit, training differently, and what happened to your mindset at that time? Yeah, so when I finished, I would say the first six months of that rehab, mm -hmm. at the time, like through the rehab, I was training a lot of upper body, still doing some CrossFit type movements and and following at the time for that gym, we programmed a uh, a class called Fit, which was what we now use in perform or excuse me in move. ballistic performance as move just smarter training more structured intervals less compounding movements uh 
less, I'd say, just more manageable intensity. Yeah, training for longevity almost. Yeah, and so I was doing a lot of that and modifying as needed to prevent the the high volume below parallel work. And then we started ballistic. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I started thinking, okay, like I want to be able to follow the programming that I'm telling other people to follow. And I want to practice what we're preaching. Mm -hmm. And doing traditional CrossFit was not what we thought was necessary for the majority or appropriate for the majority of the population. Now, I'm not saying that CrossFit isn't appropriate for the majority of the population. Just the way it's executed and programmed in a lot of facilities is not the way that it should be done, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So it can be done really well. It can be very effective, but there's a lot of kind of garbage out there in terms of programming and intensities and and variance that isn't the most conducive to helping people achieve their goals. Yeah. So that's where the inspiration for Move came in. Then we created Build and Perform and all of these programs to where we really haven't followed true CrossFit, quote unquote CrossFit for, I mean, I'm I'm probably going on two years at this point. Probably since Ballistic, September of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. going to be two years this in this fall. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we're not still doing high intensity on occasion. We're not still doing constantly varied movements. We've just structured it in a very different way. Yeah. In a, a way that we consider to be more effective. That's still inspired by a lot of the stuff that CrossFit has introduced into the industry. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really where my mindset's at now is train smarter and train for functionality and longevity. Okay. You know, really focusing on not the next year or five years, but the next 10, 20, 30 years and where I want to be physically when I get to that point. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people need to start considering is, yeah, it sounds great to say you're the fittest you've ever been and you crushed the CrossFit Open this year. And like yesterday you hit a PR on your thruster, right? And all all this real, and you did some muscle-ups, all this really sexy CrossFit stuff. But at what cost? Are you crushing yourself and running yourself into the ground every single day? Are you sizzling in a puddle of your own sweat after every single workout? Because if you are, your nervous system can't handle that, number one. Your muscular system is getting the shit beat out of it. And your joints, I know a lot of CrossFitters. And I know very few CrossFitters who are pain-free. Yeah. Right. So there is something to be said about that to where you really need to start considering Okay, what's the next 10 years look like? What do I, where do I want to be in 20 years? When I'm 80, I want to still be able to run, jump, and play. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that you need to consider, and that's really what we're trying to target and teach people in ballistic. I gotcha. So where are you going now? Like, What are your goals as they relate to training, fitness, mindset, and like your identity? Yeah, so I guess bringing it full circle, mm-hmm. uh, it's really what I was just talking about a little bit. I believe that our training at Ballistic Performance, our programming, is designed to move people towards their goals in a sustainable way, in something that they can be consistent with, in a way that's more structured, that's smarter, that can be integrated into your life without consuming your life. You know, I think people can get really, really fit doing our programs, 
but still be able to balance every other facet of life that they're dealing with, whether it's kids, career, family, other obligations. And so we are truly like our mission statement of creating caring, confident, capable people Mm -hmm. through fitness and nutrition. That's really what we're doing. I want you to care about your life. I want you to care about your health, about your fitness, about your nutrition. I want you to care about other people, Mm -hmm. right? I want you to be confident in your skills, your abilities, your physique. I want you to be confident in your just your overall self. I want you to have self-esteem and self-confidence in every facet of your life. And I want you to be beyond capable. I want you to be capable of every single fucking thing you do outside of the gym. I literally don't care about your thruster. I don't care how heavy your back squat is. I don't care what you pull from the floor. I don't care how many pull-ups you can do unbroken or if you can ever do a handstand push-up. I literally just care that you can ski like a madman or madwoman, that you can hike without feeling exhausted, that you can play tiger with your kids and whoop their ass, that you can be playing soccer and coaching your kids, that you can just do every – you can mountain bike, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of all – hunt, fish. You can do everything anything in your life and be fully capable and not limited in any capacity yeah that's what i believe about training and fitness and that's where i believe everyone's mindset needs to be when it comes to pursuing those things and and picking a a program gotcha cool mic drop yeah i love that but I think that about wraps it up right yeah came full circle hopefully that opens everybody's eyes a little bit to where not only my head's at, but where we're at as a team, right? Because we run this business and these programs as a team. Anytime you're working with us, it's like you're getting two coaches for the price of one, whether you're doing nutrition or fitness. And so that's really our beliefs. That's our beliefs as a company, as a couple, as individuals. And that's what makes us such an effective team. Yeah. Love it. Heck yeah. (laughs) Heck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh guys thank you so much for tuning in hopefully you're able to take something away from this episode if you have any questions about anything we spoke about today please don't hesitate to reach out send us a dm shoot us an email send us a text message if you have our numbers Uh, we're more than happy to chat about that more and elaborate uh on some of those topics but as always we appreciate you guys so much and we look forward to seeing you next week bye y'all hey guys Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, we cannot thank you enough. If you enjoy what you hear on this channel, please head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review, drop a comment in there as well. That's how we reach more people and change more lives with this platform. Also, don't be shy. Like, tag, share this with someone on Instagram and Facebook. We're posting it on all of our platforms. Get more people involved in tuning into this channel so they can take this information and apply it to their health and fitness journeys and improve their overall quality of life. Now, if you're not following us on all of our other platforms, make sure you get on there. Our handle is either ballistic performance, ballistic.performance, or train underscore ballistic. I know. Why do we have three handles? Because someone is holding on to just a ballistic performance across all the platforms, and I'm ready to lose it if we don't get it here in the next year or so. But anyway, guys, head over there, look us up, follow us on all those platforms so you don't miss out on any of the content that we're dishing out each and every week. 
But as always, it's been a pleasure and we'll see you next time.